Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode, wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you're listening to us on. As always, thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you for sharing this podcast. And thank you for all the kind messages that you guys have been leaving. Really, really appreciate it. And make sure you keep those coming. Uh, At the very beginning, when I started this podcast a couple of years ago, those of you who are longtime listeners are well aware of this, that I did a a five-part teen mental health series, which I really, really enjoyed. It was a lot of fun talking to a lot of uh, specifically mental health professionals, talking about various topics related to not just sports, but to teen mental health and um, social emotional related topics and a lot of really, really in-depth, interesting conversations. And so if you haven't listened to those, go back in the archives and give those a listen because they're well worth your time. And after that series was done, I wanted to always keep that as something that I had as a focus that if I could ever have guests who are really passionate about that sort of subject or had a lot of expertise on that subject, that I would want to talk to them about it. And I'm very grateful to have this opportunity uh, today with my guest. Uh, We're going to talk about integrating social emotional teaching into coaching and kind of bridging the social emotional aspect of what it's like working with um, teenagers and young adults with how to weave that into the coaching that we do and just make ourselves better coaches that do more than uh, just X's and O's on the basketball court. So this is going to be great. Uh, This is a topic I'm really passionate about and really excited to have my my guest on here with me. Uh, My guest today is a licensed master social worker as well as the head boys varsity basketball coach at Millbrook School. I'm very happy to be joined uh, by Coach Billy Tom. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Mike, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, as you said, I think a, a really important topic. So excited to uh, to talk about it today. Yeah, that's, I'm really looking forward to getting, getting into it. So uh, let's go uh, two ways of this question where I always have my guests kind of introduce uh, themselves to their basketball journey and the coaching journey. So I'm curious about your coaching journey um, that led you to Millbrook, but I'm also curious about your um, journey that led you into wanting to get into social work itself, because uh, from my limited experience, my limited background, that is sometimes uh, an unforgiving position and one that you really got to be committed to. So I'm curious about that as well, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Sure, sure. And I I think it'll dovetail as I am. Those two worlds dovetail as I I get (laughs) to my time at Millbrook. Um, I would say that uh, first and foremost on the basketball piece, um, you know, I, I grew up in a gym. Um, my, my dad's uh, was a high school, public high school coach in New York. Um, he's in he's in the New York State Basketball Hall of Fame. He, Bill Tom, um, he coached at a, a small public school about an hour north of New York City, Croton Harmon High School. Um, and so, uh, from from as early as I can remember, I was I was at, at practices and hanging out in a gym and shooting around and. Um, I think just the ability to uh, grow up in that space and to be able mm-hmm. to see like the importance of team really early on um, uh, was something that propelled me to, uh, I don't know, I started coaching 
you know, rec and CYO basketball when I was an eighth grader, ninth grader, coaching third grade, second grade. And um, it was just something that became a, a real passion. Um, uh, got through school, got through high school, um, uh, probably could have played, you know, low level D3 somewhere. I was okay. I wasn't great um, as a player, um, but uh, opted to go with the manager route, um, thinking that I really wanted to get into coaching and that would be a, a hands-on way to to learn. Um, so I ended up at Davidson College uh, down in down in Davidson, North Carolina, working under Bob McKillop, um, who's, who's been there for, for a long while. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was a manager for two years. Um, then I was a student assistant for two years. And then after graduation, uh, undergrad graduation, I, um, I stayed on staff for two more years as, as director of operations, um, kind of the, the lowest assistant on the totem pole. Um, and uh, and that was just a tremendous experience. Coach McKillop, um, one of his his operating kind of kind of central thoughts is he's trying to prepare all of his assistants and uh, to, to be head coaches one day. And so um, he he gave you know I was I was doing film work at, at as a sophomore and an undergrad sophomore in college. I was helping prep scouts right away. I was um, I was in working out some walk ons. I was. Um, I was I was going out and speaking to the local you know Elks Club or whatever. Um, so it it it, uh, it it really gave me a six years of of kind of high level basketball education because sure. coach is, is one of the best at, at offensive offensive stuff and X's and O's and um you know really getting guys open looks and, and kind of free flowing motion offense. Um, but uh, but it also gave me a, a really deep look at like how to run a program caring about academics, caring about citizens, caring about team. Um, I'd say that coaches' ability to build a program around values was like one of the first introductions I had um, uh, at a level bigger than just like my dad in the local public school, right? Yeah. Um, who, who uh, where, where I was, I was kind of understanding maybe subconsciously the importance of kind of the, the mental approach, the emotional approach. Um, and, and so that, um, that was a wonderful six years. Um, and then, uh, and then I, I, I was, um, I had a little bit of a health issue, um, and, and some autoimmune issues and was, was not, um, was not feeling great. Was seeing some doctors up in New York, uh, where I grew up and out of the city and, um, out of Manhattan. And, uh, I, I ended up, um, uh, thinking at that time, like, hmm, this, this might be a space where I'd always had some interest in working with high schoolers. I think, again, mm -hmm. growing up, seeing my dad do it, um, you know, that nature versus nurture thing. I think that was <laughs> definitely nurture. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but uh, it happened to be that um, uh, Landry Kozmalski was an assistant at Davidson. He's now the head coach at Swarthmore. Um, they, they've had some tremendous seasons the last few years, kind of number one in the country, D3 at, at one point. Um, he, he was an assistant at Davidson while I was there as an assistant. Um, and uh, he, he had a friend who, who um, also went to Davidson who worked at, uh, who worked at Millbrook. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, they needed a Spanish teacher and they needed a, a, a basketball coach. Um, and I, I was a Spanish major at Davidson and um, it was 45 minutes from where I grew up. And so it, it felt like a, a really kind of natural shift. Um, uh, and so I, um, I started nine years ago at Millbrook. Um, my wife started the same year. We weren't, uh, we weren't married then. We didn't know each other, um, but that uh, we're a little bit rural. We're like an hour and 45 North of New York city. It's a little rural. Um, mm -hmm. So as a, as a young 20 something year old single guy, I, I don't know if I was uh, thinking I'd be staying here for nine years, <laughs> um, but then we, 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 uh, we met and uh, she works at the school too. She's a 
an academic dean and a French teacher. And um, so we've, we've stayed kind of here since, um, but I've done a lot of different things at Millbrook. Um, and this is where I think the, the, the move to the social worker. So I was teaching Spanish. I was interim athletic director for a year. I did some admissions work, um, helped a little, um, uh, ran our, ran our language department for a couple of years, but, um, we, we have it at a lot of day schools, a lot of independent schools have, have an advisory program and at boarding school, um, Millbrook's a boarding school. So we have about 90% of our students, we have 330 students, 90 of them live on campus, um, international students, kids from the West coast, kids from Chicago, Colorado. Um, and then a lot of, lot of Northeastern kids, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and at boarding school, the advising program, um, is, is pretty intimate, right? You're, you're living with these kids. They see yeah. you in sweats on a brunch line on Sunday. Um, you might be the first person in the room when they learn, you know, a, a grandparent dies or, or something like that. And um, I, I just felt like the more I was working with, with young people, um, uh, the more that kind of things were getting com more complicated and the less course, kind yeah. of skillful I was um, at managing some of those situations and helping some of my advisees. Um, and so I, I, um, I ended up going to a program, a professional development program over the summer called the Stanley King Institute. Um, and there's one in Boston and then one out in Fountain Valley School in Colorado Springs. And I, I was out in Colorado for a, just a really wonderful week. It's run by um, a bunch of folks with ties to independent schools, but also to, to Harvard, um, Harvard Mental Health, Harvard, oh, wow. Harvard Health, Behavioral Health. Um, and so really the goal of that is to teach people how to be better listeners, right? Um, uh, how to be more active listeners. Um, but as I, I was kind of falling in love with the work we were doing out there and, and um, a couple of the folks, a couple of the faculty out there pushed me, pushed me towards getting a, a master's in social work. Um, hmm. and, and so I got the MSW um, a few years ago from, from Simmons University in Boston. Um, uh, was still working full time, did the online ad piece, um, did my clinical hours uh, uh, at, a, at a, what they call a partial hospitalization program. Um, so essentially students, kids who are um, either trying to avoid inpatient hospitalization or stepping down from inpatient hospitalization. Um, and, and those are uh, uh, mostly kids working through suicidal ideation, some homicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and um, uh, things related to that, right? Anxiety, depression, yeah. uh, some mood disorders. Um, and, and so uh, a very different kind of uh, population than, than I saw at Millbrook, but um, a really wonderful clinical experience. Um, and, and then stepped back from, from that MSW, got my license in New York um, and stepped into the counseling office here at Millbrook. So um we all, we all at boarding school do a few different roles as adults, um, but I, I'm, I'm now currently um, boys varsity basketball head coach, as you had said. Um, uh, I'm an I'm a assistant director of counseling, so I see students individually kind of for support sessions, drop-ins. I see some kids regularly, um, see some kids in groups, um, uh, and then um, I'm also the director of affective education um, here at Millbrook, and so that's a, a title we built, a role we built last year. Um, thinking really about how can we be more preventative and prophylactic around emotional health, around behavioral health, around mental health here on campus. Um, and so I work with kind of all facets of our school. I, I, I help our, our Dean of Students and our Student Life Office. I, I work pretty closely with admissions, trying to, trying to see if, if prospective students are, 
um, can be supported here on campus if they come to live on campus. Um, I work with our teachers and our coaches um, in trying to trying to um, uh, you know um, integrate uh, kind of social emotional learning well being into what they do in their content areas. Um, and so it's a really it's a really fun job because I get to do a lot of different things each day. No day looks the mm -hmm. same. Um, but uh, but that's where I am now. Um, I've also just started um, seeing some private clients, uh, doing a little bit of private practice work as well, just to try that on um, and broaden broaden my own um, uh, clinic clinical background as well. So um, so so you you put on a, a bunch of different a bunch of different hats depending on what the situation calls for. Absolutely. And I think that's something, um, you know, the boarding school model is kind of a, a triple threat model, right? You, 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 most of my colleagues um, teach, coach, and then do something residentially, right? Dorm yeah. duty or, or, or some kind of proctoring or something like that. Um, uh, I think that the, the only difference in kind of what I do is that there's also this kind of, you know, clinical with a license on the wall hat that I also put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's never, uh, I was going to say, not, never the same day twice and also never a dull moment either. There's always this, <laughs> so keeping yourself uh, busy, that's for sure. Um, I know we're going to spend most of our time talking about the social emotional aspect of things. And so I did want to uh, touch on you coaching basketball just from an X's and O's perspective, because I know yep. we're not going to talk too much about that. And I wanted to get your thoughts and your ideas about what you like to run what is your preferred brand of basketball? What, yep. do you, what do you like to do on the court? Yeah. A very broad, um, uh, general sense of that question. Yeah, the, the quick stump speech, right? We, we get to <laughs> recruit, so it's the, it's the quick opening uh, recruiting call stump speech here. Um, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, um, as a school, uh, you know, Millbrook's never going to fire me for losing games. They obviously want to win, but, but the the thing that they really care about is, is, um, is bringing kids in who are going to be good fits in the classroom and the community, um, right. Living on campus is a, is a different thing. And so we got to find the right fit there. Um, and, and when I say fit, I really mean kids who, who want to be part of a community, right. Who want to live sure. in a, a little bit different space. Um, and, and then they care about development, right. And as we are a prep school, right. We're, we're, we're preparing kids for college. So, um, placement also is really important, right. College placement. And so, trying to backward design from those goals. Um, if, if I was coaching college right now, we might do some things a little differently X's and O's wise, but backward develop, backward design from kind of those goals um, leads to us really thinking about skill development every day, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and from day one of practice to, you know, preparing, you know, we, we, we were lucky enough to play in a semifinal New England game, New England prep school game this year. And um, the day before that, we, we had about the same amount of skill development. Um, you know, I think positioning that skill development within the context of, of our systems is really important um, uh, because we, we have smart kids. And so we want them to be able to use their skills and their IQ in a game like context. So, so what does that look like for us? I mean, if you came to a, a practice, Mike, it would be um, you'd hear me say the word attack a lot. Um, we we, we want to play pretty fast. Um, our offensive numbers didn't bear it out this year so much. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were, we were big, we were long, we, we play four guards, typically our, 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 our fours, quote unquote, our fourth guards this year were, were a six, eight D one kid and a, and a six <laughs> D three kid. Um, yeah. So, and so they, um, uh, we, we didn't look like we were playing four guards. At yeah. Times. A little unconventional <laughs> look. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
you know, defensively, it's it's we we we've gone to pack line principles. I'm really really lucky. Um, we we have two assistants um, who are also educators on campus. Um, one played at Rhodes down in Memphis for four years, Jeff Libsey, um, and, and and one played at Skidmore, uh, and then overseas in Germany for a year, Alden Medusian, and and, uh, and and they both bring a ton to the table. So so we get to run you know, pretty intense 90 minute college level kind of pace practices because um, they can take a lot. Um, so Jeff, Jeff runs our defense and um, we were able to go 94 feet this year with just a ton of ball pressure, but we, our, our league is really guard dominant and like kind of jitterbug guards that can get into lanes and, and create mm -hmm. havoc. So we really got to kind of bend, not break and be in gaps behind, um, uh, behind the ball. Um, and then offensively, it's, it's the same thing. We want to attack, we want to put pressure on, on the ball, um, but we want to be really organized in it. So um, if you've seen Davidson play, our break's going to look really similar to that. Um, our, our, you know, two corners, two wings running into corners, um, a, a pipe runner, um, and, then, and then a guard trailing to the top of the key who can make plays from the top of the key in a, in a pitch back kind of situation. Um, we give our kids a couple of secondary reads. Typically, it's a handoff ball screen. Um, we, we've got a big six six eleven kid who's who's pretty good um, in the ball screen scenario. So um, we try to get him into stuff early as much as we can. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then and then we flow into into some motion. And it's it's um it's not kind of true collegiate level motion. We just don't have enough time to teach that. Um, yeah, of course. But but it's 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 um you know it's it's a it's a lot of flares, a lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of pin downs, um, and, and trying to put guys in situations where they can just use that, use that skill. Um, and then we've got, you know, 10 to 12 quick hitters trying to use our IQ, trying to use mismatches, um, or, you know, like anybody taking advantage of, of kind of defensive strategies, right. From the opponent. Um, and it sounds like it's a, it's a brand of basketball that players are probably pretty excited to get into. I mean, you mentioned the word attack and you mentioned, you know, kind of the pace, even the way that your practices are going. Like, I, I feel like they probably get a lot out of it and they know that like, they're going to be, be working really hard and, and getting something in return where they know that this investment of time that they're giving in, like, they're going to, they're going to get rewarded for that, whether it's, you know, playing time or, or just learning a lot about the game itself, or just having like a, a really positive experience that they're getting if we're doing like it a right, lot out so. of it. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I think so. If we're doing it right. Um, you know, the, the, um, uh, we, we were, we were, and it was because of senior leadership this year, we were excellent at sharing the ball. Um, we, we were, I think two thirds of our, of our scores this year were off of an assist um, somewhere right around there. And, and um, uh, so, so that, that makes the brand fun. If it's really dribble heavy and we got some guys who really stop the, the momentum of the ball, it, it can, it can break down kind of the rhythm. It can look really ugly really quickly to be really honest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think, I think when guys buy into the idea that it, we'll share it and it's going to come back, that's helpful. Um, we also played a, a ten a ten man ro rotation this year, um, which you know getting guys in and out, and um, it's you know we're, we're playing college level games kind of physically, and three quarters of our league are of our classification are, are ex college coaches, so it's it's fun kind of gamesmanship wise, and um, it's it's hard year one for some of our guys to step in and like think at a little bit different level, mm -hmm. um, play at that different pace, but once it clicks, it's it's really fun I think for our guys, um, and. 
when you're winning and, and you're doing the right things on campus and faculty are in the gym and, and students are in the gym and they, you know, they're, they're it's a raucous atmosphere. Or, uh, I think it, it, that all kind of feeds on itself. Right. And so um, yeah. the, the campus piece helps us too. I know you're saying before, before we got on, I might be the first boarding school coach you've talked yeah, to. Coach, I think but, so. Yeah. But, uh, but that like, that like kind of diet college, small college, like campus energy feel sure. is, is something that is, is part of the, part of the whole thing too. So it's, it's exciting. Yeah, def definitely a, a unique sort of style and, and atmosphere that they get to play in, which is which is really unique and really cool for sure. Um, so, as we kind of get into the idea of integrating social emotional teaching into coaching, uh, I, I think that we all have a kind of an idea of what that is and, and what that means. But I want to make sure I had kind of your definition of that. So I wanted you to describe uh, to listeners like what what is social emotional teaching, or perhaps what is that term uh, mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, uh, I, I think to preface the, the idea, some of the things I think we'll talk about today, coaches, um, uh, th they've got to fit the environment that you're working in. Right. They, they, I think like so many things, right. I've, I've listened to a few of your podcasts prepping for this and some really good topics. And, um, uh, a lot of the guys that have been on and, and folks who have been on, have talked about kind of authenticity to, to their environment. Right. Yep. And so yeah. I, I think that, that that's really important as a preface. Um, I'm going to give some broad definitions today and I'll talk about some specific things we do. Um, but, but there's, I think a lot of us are, are practicing this already. It's just how intentional, what's the intentionality that we're designing practice plans, program plans, um, you know, wh where does that fall and how intentional are we thinking about it? So, when I, when I think about social emotional learning, um, I, I think about it as really an approach uh, to, to thinking about education um, in a way that values, I'd say teaching students, you know, how to notice and understand their emotions, um, how, how, to, how to really kind of feel those emotions in an authentic way, um, and then manage those emotions, right, so that they can be uh, you know, good citizens, productive teammates, empathetic, caring members of, of kind of their own little worlds, whether that's, you know, math class or, or the, the theater ensemble or, or, or the basketball team, mm -hmm. their families, um, yeah. and then kind of beyond that, right? Like, what does that look like um, in a more kind of broad interpersonal way? And so um, I, I think that that's, uh, that's important to think about, right? Um, kind of where where does that child position themselves in orientation to the rest of their world? And can they work on the emotional piece as they understand their own bodies and kind of where they're positioned? Um, and so I, I think about kind of my role on campus uh, here, we, we have a, we're not a, not a religiously affiliated school. Um, we do have a chaplain on campus who does more just kind of like uh, spiritual work, right. Uh, in, in the broad sense. With, yeah. Yeah. With students. Um, but I kind of think of myself like in some ways as like a, 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 a secular minister, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to like help folks understand like emotion, their patience, coping skills, kind of their, their spirit or however you want to call that, right? Um, and then helping, trying to help our colleagues model uh, and like create space for all of that like messiness, right? Because I, 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 we had parents weekend a couple weekends ago and I, I had a little spiel I gave to the parents and 
you know, I started just talking about how messy kind of adolescence is. And I went through the day of kind of challenges the Friday before that I had seen students about um, mm -hmm. and the broadness of that, right? From dumped by my partner, by my boyfriend to uh, my grandmother's sick and I don't know how to deal about that to my roommate won't turn off his alarm in the morning to I have a math test and I'm really worried about it to um, uh, Mr. Tom, I think I might have an eating disorder to right like that. <laughs> those are just broad... the ones that you know of that happened. Right. That day. <laughs> right. So that's just such a broad range. Right. And so I think when we think about social emotional learning, like we're, we're thinking about all of those things and how can we model and educate students to to notice and be okay and then cope through all of those things right um and so and i'd say that's i think i think one of the interesting challenges that that goes with that as you kind of just uh finished your last part is that requires a lot of introspective and a lot of uh self-reflection on us as the teachers and us as the the coaches uh if, if we wanted to kind of bring that into our uh, coaching and into our coaching practices. It does require us to do a lot of, of that sort of journey our, ourselves in order to be authentic and bring that to our players. I, I think so. I am, I am a way, way, way better teacher and coach now after getting my MSW um, because the whole first semester of that program was me having to do that introspective work, right? And really manage, manage some things on my own. Um, Gosh, I would love if every educational institution in, in the country could, uh, you know, make therapy free for educators, right? I, I think that's, I think that's like uh, check-ins and introspection is really important. But I, I, again, like, I, I think sometimes people can think of this in a really mystifying way, Mike, right? Like, mm -hmm. there are all these big things. And like, I think most of us at our core who care about kids and are working to help kids, like we do these things in some, in, in, in ways, right? Like we all do these things. It's, I think basketball, right? Uh, I mentioned math class, the dorms on our campus, like those are just microcosms of, of what life is for us and for the kids we work with. And so I think when we teach, when we're teaching in those spaces, right, we're really just modeling life and emotions are part of life. So uh, I think introspection is key. And I think kind of self-feedback and self-evaluation is key. But I, I also think that we can, it's simpler than maybe we, we make it sound when we're talking about it on a podcast like this. Right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of just good practices that we probably already are, are naturally doing, or just things that we're modeling or things that, that our players like know are important, are important to us. I'm thinking maybe it's the idea also of maybe making it more intentional and more deliberate with the language that we use. And, and maybe we let, I know probably as a coach, I sometimes have social emotional elements that I believe I incorporate into my coaching, but maybe I don't explicitly like talk about or yep. say, or maybe use like the certain words that maybe make it more deliberate or purposeful, if that makes sense. And, and I know that that could probably be something just thinking on my own reflection that I've done kind of leading up to this episode that just using that intentional like language or, yep. you know, certain uh, aspects of that might really kind of drive the point home to my players. Yeah, I think so. Right. I think if, if we get our butts kicked on the glass the next day, we're going to talk a lot about rebounding, right. And we're going to name that and we're going to probably be a better rebounding team in our next game. Um, and I think like that, that intentionality that you're talking about, right, is, um, is, is, uh, is important, right? So um, I think we'll get into a little bit later some of, 
some of the things we're trying to do, right? Um, it's kind of specifically in practices and in film sessions and things. And um, I, I would agree, like the intentionality and the naming of it is, is um, it might feel and kind of sound hokey to begin with, right? <laughs> when you're trying to figure out how you want to package it for your own authentic, you know, coaching style. Um, but but I, I think that um, at least for our guys this year, especially, um, you know, last season, two seasons ago, was a little bit hard because COVID interruptions, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and we, we introduced some things, but but not not really where we wanted to be. Um, and uh, but this year, especially, like a really diverse group of guys that we have um, all bought into it in different ways. You know, as 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 maybe other than maybe the other one kid who you know just maturity level at points he couldn't quite get to the same place that some of the other guys were. Um, but. Uh, but, uh, you know, the buy-in was surprising. The quickness of the buy-in was surprising to me. I, I think uh, we were talking a little bit about COVID before and, and kind of how that's escalated things. Yeah, um, definitely. In, in the mental health world. And um, I think our young people are really, really thirsting for chances to talk about this stuff and, uh, and like, in safe spaces. And, and, and I, don't, you know, I don't love that phrase, safe spaces. But I think spaces where they don't feel like they'll be judged and, like, if you can build that in a basketball team, I think it's also going to make you a better basketball team, right? You're going to be more productive. You're going to have chances to, to bind, bind together in, in competitive moments. And um, at least that's been our experience this year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that you're putting a lot of trust by having players have those conversations, right? And talking about these things and opening up. And if, especially if they're being able to have those conversations with each other in a, in a safe environment, like you said, that's so much trust that's being given and received that I feel like it can't help but sort of make its way onto the basketball court itself when you when you just trust your teammates that much more yeah yeah Yeah. and again like uh I mean we we can we can get to some of the nitty-gritty and you know at some point in the conversation but simple things we're not talking about um you know we're not talking about I, I I think if anyone professes they have the answer they're they're full of it um so like this isn't (laughs) this isn't some mumbo you know this isn't some mystifying kind of secret sauce here i I think it's things that we all do it's just intentionality naming it being comfortable maybe with a little bit of discomfort early on um uh and 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 um and and kind of holding ourselves accountable to, to doing some of it in a in a explicit way right well for anyone who is mystified maybe we can do a little demystification if there is anyone out there who is still mystified let's talk about bringing that in into our coaching practices and then like like you said this is probably there's probably many of these things that the coaches are already incorporating that they might not even be aware that they're already incorporating but let's get into some you know situations i brought up as a question about you know things like film sessions or practices and meetings so how do you think a coach again, with the understanding that they're probably doing some of these things already, how would a coach go, go ahead and kind of bring in the social, emotional aspect of things into those sort of situations like film sessions or practices, meetings, things of that nature? Sure. Um, I, I think, number one, you, you said it before, Mike, right, is the idea that um, we're always a little bit on stage and on stage as coaches, right? And so, mm-hmm. and so modeling it for our, for our players and I don't, I don't mean that in a way of like not of being a robot, right? Of not, of not having emotion, right? Um, I actually think that modeling the range of emotions, especially 
I think is a male coach for young boys and men um, is a little bit counter societal, right? It's a little bit countercultural if you can maybe have that moment where there's a little bit of an explosion and then say, you know what, I lost myself there a little bit, right? I lost that cool there and I'm sorry. And let's, let's, let's move forward. Right. I, I, I love the moments when I'm watching something, right. And, and this happens to me too. So I'm, there's no judgment in this, right. But the idea of like, you know, I'll get upset when a player maybe doesn't, you know, has a negative emotional reaction to something, but two minutes earlier, I was like losing my mind on a ref, right? Like, like, like those, those moments are, are, um, you know, there's, there's a level of hypocrisy there. And I think teenagers especially sniff out fakeness, right? And they sniff out hypocrisy more than, more than anything else, right? And so like, I think trying to model and, and hold ourselves accountable to some of that, but I think also, the moment of saying, you know, I actually made the mistake in that moment. My bad, guys. Like, well, next play, right? I got you. I got you on the next one, right? Um, or you know, guys, like, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous for this game too, right? Um, like, like, but here's how we're gonna here's how we're gonna conquer those nerves, right? Here's yeah. here's the plan we're gonna gonna put in place to conquer, right? Um, how we're gonna beat, you know, Pomfret in a first round playoff game, right, or whatever it is. Um, and and so I think just the modeling of that kind of language and openness can be a, a really good first step. Um, what I was thinking about the question you asked me, Mike, um, at the beginning of our season last year, I don't know about you guys, we, we get 90 minutes of practice um, and, and we're, we got to be out of the gym after 90 minutes, right? So we can do some meetings and film session kind of around that, but on the court, it's 90 minutes. Yeah, um, got to go. <laughs> Is that you guys too? No, we're, we're not. We're not in the, on, on the same bind, but I think I've found that anything, even, even if I had more time i mean i do have more time but there's after 90 minutes it's already sort of like okay i don't know yep. how much more i'm getting out of this anyway <laughs> after like 90 minutes maybe two hours but even if i had all the time in the world i know that the the attention span for my girls isn't going to last past much longer than 90 minutes two hours on a good day yep and, and i think we it's interesting you say that because uh you know coming from d1 basketball i was like 90 minutes what the hell right like where <laughs> Um, but then, uh, over the nine years I've, I've gotten to the point where late in the season, we, we might go an hour and that might be it. Right. And, and, sure. and a little bit of that's going to be some of these things that I'm going to talk about in a second and then on court skill and, and then some systems things. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, I, I've kind of become a, uh, be really fast paced, be really organized and less is more kind of approach, um, mm -hmm. as the season progresses. So, you know, as I was thinking about putting these, some of these social emotional, practices into into our practice and into our film sessions the beginning my, my first thought was like crap how how are we gonna like make room right in 90 minutes when every minute seems really valuable um but then but then thinking about that and and really it was my work with our non-basketball players on campus this fall seeing um just how many kids were, were thirsty for connections, struggling with, you know, anxiety, depression, um, some of those like interpersonal, those gaps and in kind of interpersonal resilience coming out of quarantine. Um, uh, you know, our, our, we're, we're, a, we're a PWI, right? We're a prominently white um, institution. So seeing some of our black and brown students, you know, struggle into that transition into a really white space. Um, and you know, a, a good chunk of our basketball players are are are, are black or brown as well. Um, you know that that um, just thinking about that fall experience for me, I was I got to the point where I was like, how can we not, 
how can we not make time to fit this in? Right. And so yeah. I think shifting that, if you can shift that mindset a little bit and say, you know, even five minutes to start a practice is going to be, is going to go a long way. And how can we not help kids check into this another space that's a classroom, right? This the same as we might do a, a, a warm-up activity or a check-in activity at the start of, you know, English class, um, a free write, something like that. We're, why don't we do that, you know, come like, into Like bell work almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? The, 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 the go piece is, is, I think, important. So number one, I assigned in our first staff meeting uh, where we were planning for the regular season, I assigned our assistants to hold me accountable and to tell me, right, if we were going through a practice plan and I didn't write something in that day that looked like what we were talking about from a social emotional standpoint, call me out on it, right? Um, and then, uh, and then we, we started thinking about some different ways, right? So I think you asked about film sessions. Um, uh, one, one thing that I really like is um, we watch a lot of self film. We don't watch a ton of opponent film, um, maybe later in the season a little bit just to see kind of tendencies of, of players, but um, uh, we, we watch mostly self-film and um, uh, early in the season, assigning uh, once or twice a week, um, our guys, our players to actually um, run the session for two to five clips, right? Um, model it a few times, show what a film session looks like in your program. And then, and then ask our guys to pick, you know, we all have access to huddle. So ask them to pick, um, Pick, pick, a, pick two, three clips, right, that they think kind of drive a point home either from practice the day before or from the scrimmage the day before, whatever it is, the game the day before, even early in the year. Um, and I think it does a few things, right? I, I think it gives them some ownership, right? Um, it gives them some ownership over thinking about our team and thinking about what's helping and not helping our team. Um, I think it helps them learn to plan, which so often when we think about social emotional learning, we think about um, just like feelings, right? Um, or you hear self-care and you think about like, you know, the, the, the person on a yoga mat on the front of a, a magazine, right? Um, but, but really what we're, what we're a big component of that, right, is planning and organization and executive functioning, right? And some mm -hmm. of those, those things that are really important skills. Um, I think it helps them look, look at the game a little bit differently. Crap. Now I got to tell my teammates, right? Like what I think went well and didn't go well here. Um, which I think also starts to help them learn how to offer feedback to peers in a constructive way. Um, and we teach them, we teach them the skills to do that, right? We've modeled those skills. We've talked about offering feedback. That's some of our, our fall kind of preseason meeting work is practicing I statements, practicing descriptive statements rather than judgmental statements. Um, but I think the, 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 the SEL piece, the social emotional piece of that, right, is in giving that feedback and learning how to give that feedback. They also learn how to start to manage their own emotions around doing that, right? So they might be really nervous. The sophomore who was assigned that day might be really nervous to tell the senior stud, right? Hey, I, I don't think you use that ball screen well, right? Or, yeah, that's, that's or, scary, I can imagine for him. Right? So I think being able to start to practice that in a space that's like, hey, each of us are going to do that in this next three weeks, right? And, and it's really just as a way to help us get better, um, where I think it does take a little bit of pressure off, right? It, it, does, it does help them start to, to think about that approach a little bit differently. I think something that, that just kind of putting the the pieces together, and especially when you're talking about practice planning, as you mentioned about how 
the instance you gave at that parent night about all of the uh, situations and all the things that that you that you learned about or or talked about during that day and i was thinking about you know players going into practice after a school day and and our players have to be in some cases going through those exact same things and have those exact same things weighing on their mind or that they're thinking about or that they're going through and that just by having that conversation is is probably can help just get their mind ready to do the other 85 minutes of practice or however long that may be versus trying yeah. to shove it down or swallow it down and get through a practice when their mind isn't, you know, completely right. I, it's uh Mike, it's like you're reading my mind. I mean, I think that's, that's a, so a perfect lead into kind of when we're thinking about practice and team meetings, um, the check-in, right. And the modeling of mindfulness to me is, is hyper important, right? So uh, if I shared a practice plan with you right now from the season, I think we could pick almost any day. Um, and the first five to eight minutes of practice would be um, something we just call active listening. We're going to start each day with active listening. Um, and I'm going to offer us a prompt. We're going to partner with somebody different every day. Uh, sometimes the managers jump in. We're lucky enough to have some really you know, kick-ass student managers and um, they might jump in a day. Our coaches talk with players, our play, right? So we're mixing who's in the part of the program. Um, and and I'm, I'm offering a prompt, right? And so it might be an emotional prompt, right? Um, you know, what, what uh, I don't know, something real therapy, uh, what, uh, I don't know, what animal is how it connects to the emotions you're feeling today, right? Something like that, or mm -hmm. might be a follow-up to an all-school event, right? Um, a question about the MLK Day, you know, uh, 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 events and programming that we had that happened, right, the day before, or might be something topical, right? Um, uh, right? Uh, who knows, right? Um, <laughs> I get you, I get you. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I was thinking like, uh, where do I want to go with that topical example? And too many options. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, and, and then it's, it's somewhat structured, right? So um, uh, if you and I were partners, Mike, I, um, I would have a, a minute uninterrupted to kind of answer that prompt, right? And your only goal in that moment is to show that you're listening to me, um, right? So it might be a head nod, it might be a mm-hmm, right? Um, but, but I have a minute to talk about that thing. And, uh, I think sometimes that that's really long for some some folks, right? Some kids. So and start think, looking at the clock. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. And they're it like, is crap, a long I gotta time. keep I gotta keep talking, right? For some kids, it's not, right? For some kids, it's pretty short. Um, but then after that minute, um, we would we would you would then have thirty seconds to say. So what I'm hearing you say is right, and then try to reflect that back to me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, I've done that before in a sense too of teaching. Just yeah, in a teaching sense in a classroom, I've done something like that. It's really cool. It's really powerful. Yeah. What what did what would you what did you see when you would do that, Mike? And anything anything that would jump out at you? I think it's interesting to when when you have kids kind of try to restate what that is. It's always interesting when I have those conversations. I would do it with shoulder partners that just by hearing around the room, if I have 15 different pairs having that conversation, how you don't get the same answer. Uh, you get so many different um, things that people pick up on that they identify with on somebody's answer that in a way, I wish I had a good example off the top of my head, but uh, I can think of one where there was a, a student of mine who was relaying what they thought that they heard someone said and what it is that they heard 
like in a, in a way like matched what their personality was like yeah that is something that you would have picked up on that they said and another person it's like yeah you would have picked up on that and it's it just was really interesting to see the things yeah. that like stood out to them or the things that they like um remembered right away from what they said or what they identified with when that person had a minute to speak yep no i, I think you're hitting the nail on the head and, and the richness of that overlap right can't help but build some rapport and some potential trust there right that yeah wow you really my partner really heard part of what i was saying in a way that's not just uh-huh okay yep right but but really reflected back to me um and i think it teaches the listener too right a way to um to to listen to respond right rather than just to to, to, I'm sorry, to listen, to, to really take in what's coming to at them, right? Rather than just listen to give the next answer, right? Yeah. To respond. Um, and so are I think you, a lot, it's, right? It's the idea of like, are you like listening or just like waiting to talk sort of thing? <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? And and I think, gosh, uh, adults do it enough, but yeah. teenagers too, right? Like, like I just want to get my next thought out. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think if we apply that, like, all right, if there's anyone out there kind of skeptically listening, right? Like, all right, but we also got to work on, you know, our, our shell, um, right? I, I think that the best basketball analogy I can make is that, you know, so often we'll, we'll tell our players, you know, talk more, talk more, right? And um, I think, uh, you know, um, Landry, who I mentioned before at Swarthmore is awesome at teaching his, his players what to say, right. And what situations, I mean, a lot of coaches do it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but I think one thing that I picked up from Landry and, and, um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, some other folks too, but, but Landry really on, on the top of mind, um, is, is also teaching our guys to listen. Right. Um, and so, uh, it's great if 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 you know our, our point guard is is yelling you know ball screen left or whatever whatever the coverage is right red left or something like that we use colors um but uh gosh if if nobody's listening right then it then it doesn't matter and so i think it, it there is some there is some kind of competitive advantage there as well not only kind of the overlap and rapport between teammates but yeah. you're, you're starting to pick up things in a little bit different way audibly right um yeah, no, I, it's the idea of like, it's, it's great if um, we're, we're talking and communicating, but if nobody's doing anything with that information, well, <laughs> you're kind of missing a huge piece of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there are, as you, as, as we kind of mentioned about, there are definitely um, some challenges or some struggles that um, our players are going through or just teenagers go through in general with their development that I think as coaches, we, as you mentioned, we, we probably should give ourselves more credit for, for the things that, that we know about this topic and, and maybe our awareness on uh, certain, you know, social, emotional aspects and teen mental health. But are there some challenges or struggles that you kind of see just for your line of work, um, yeah. whether it's players or, or just teenagers in general going through that you think, not that coaches maybe won't be aware of, but just maybe should just have on their radar or should just, you know, kind of be mindful of in general? Yep. Yep. I, I, um, yeah, I'm going to continue to pump all of our tires. Right. I think, and I, I talk, I, um, I have a lot of friends who coach in public schools and, and, you know, uh, wealthy New York city suburbs and, and more, you know, more urban areas where, where, you know, there's a, a lot of free and reduced lunch. And, um, I, I think about kind of just the, the swath again, right. Kind of authenticity of your, of your neighborhood, of your community. Right. So knowing, 
I think being aware of, of social ills in, in, um, in the community in which you coach is really important, right? Um, and, and, and I think being aware of social environments, social spaces, right? Um, and so I, I think about, um, uh, you know, the coach who coaches in, in a community where, um, you know, he, if we're thinking just kind of basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Are, are his players, are her players, are their players, um, uh, right? Sleeping somewhere where they're safe, right? Are they, are they getting the food they need, right? Kind of day to day. Um, and so we're really fortunate, right? We have a, a beautiful dining hall and dorms. And so like, that's, uh, that's a given for, for me. Um, right. But it's, it's something that I think we, we have to be thoughtful of kind of where, where are those kids walking in from and do they have those basic needs taken care of? Um, mm -hmm. and, and then I think broadening out from there, uh, you know, coming out of quarantine, I, I, um, I actually love some of the work kind of in the counseling side of things I do here with our other athletes, right. With our non-basketball players. Cause it, I think it makes me a, a better basketball coach too. Um, and the two themes I'd say I've seen a lot of, um, and I was on a, uh, uh, American, uh, side of, uh, inter uh for uh, social workers in sports, right. American social workers in sports, um, group. Um, and, and I was hearing some of these things echoed from folks who work kind of at the college level and at the high school level um, with, with athletes. Really two themes coming out of quarantine that seem to keep popping up, Mike. One mm -hmm. is, um, and, and this is really in connection to sports, right? In connection to the sport that these kids play. Um, one is um, really an overemphasis on kind of quote unquote, catching up, right? Yeah, I think we're seeing... I, that was the first thought that came to mind. <laughs> so I'm like patting myself in the back right now. Yeah, That's yeah, what I yeah, thought right? it would be. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and like, we're seeing it in the classroom too, right? Like my, 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 my kid missed on algebra, right? And so how are they going to catch up on algebra or whatever it is? Um, and that's, I think, a, that's, a, that's a valid and, and I think appropriate reaction, right? You, our kids are grieving a season, right? Especially kids who are, don't have many seasons left maybe of high school sports, right? Um, yeah. and, and so um, I think there's more parent pressure in that, right? Um, uh, how's little, little, you know, Susie or Johnny gonna, gonna work towards that scholarship, towards that college placement, right? Um, and I think there's also more kind of self-inflicted pressure, right? Um, I, I have to perform better now that I've missed X amount of time. Um, and, and I think clinically, right, if we're thinking higher stress levels for longer periods of time leads to anxiety, right? It leads to a, a baseline of anxiety. Um, I think the flip of that in some ways, the inverse of that in some ways is, is the kind of the second theme, which is um, a realization that for some folks, their sport maybe isn't the be all end all that they thought it was, right? That it's, mm. they've really centered their identity pre-quarantine on this thing, um, and they were able to find other things that maybe brought them joy or stepping away from, from the sport gave them some joy for a little while. Right. And so um, I, I think we've, we've been able to see some, some of our student athletes um, kind of come to terms with, with how to position the sport within their lives. Right. Um, and for better and, and for some kids for worse, right. There's, there's some depression that comes with that. I mean, the, the general things are the general things, Mike, right? Like, um, you know, you, you go on any social media or you go on, you know, Washington Post or, you know, I think SAMHSA's done one, New, National Institute of Health, CDC, the WHO, right? And like, like mm -hmm. well, you're seeing all these, these studies, right? And surveys um, increase in anxiety, depression. 
uh, eating disorders, self-harm, substance use and abuse, uh, suicidal ideation. Um, yeah, as I said, less interpersonal resilience, kind of when problems arise, um, self-isolation, right? Like, like those challenges I think are popping up and, and we're seeing all these surveys come out and studies come out with that. A lot of those surveys and studies are also saying that if, uh, if a young person has one to two adults in their school who they feel like know them, right? That, that, that's also a really protective factor. And so I think just if we could take anything maybe from the talk today, Mike, it's, you know, there's a million kind of tricks and, and tools out there and, and we can talk resources in a, in a minute here, but um, uh, build relationships, right? Like, like yeah. builds a relationship uh, beyond the sport, because I think that is the greatest protective factor, right? Um, against so many of these, these optics of things we're seeing. Um, um, and some of it's chemical and some of it's right. Uh, there's, there's parts of that, that, that maybe the relationship um, isn't obviously isn't the kind of the, the, the silver bullet, but it's, um, it's preventative, right? And it's prophylactic in some way, and it's going to help that kid feel feel like they're known, right? In a mm -hmm. in a, a real way. And that that's one of the, I think one of sometimes one of the the tougher parts for me when it comes to the uh, you know the you talked about the hierarchy of needs, and and I'm 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 well versed in it, and I'm I'm, I'm well aware of, of of those situations, and also well aware of the situations that my players might be in. Uh, sometimes as well but it is easy to forget when I'm like in my office you know just sitting on my office chair looking at film with all of my basic needs being met and wondering like of course we can you know just take care of all these basketball related things and just get after it the next day and then you know you step back and you realize like well if you actually think about some of the things like some of my girls who have you know 10 people living in their you know two-bedroom apartment or something or all this other stuff it's like well maybe you know finishing that clothes out or uh, you know, working on your free throw form. Maybe, they, maybe that's not exactly on the forefront of their mind at the moment. I, I think, um, I, I think it's really true, right? I, I think also, though, uh, connected to that, right, is that um, discipline and kind of the 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 walls of the sandbox to play in, right, are also a huge part of, of offering structure and support, right. Um, to, and kind of structural support, right. Structured support to, to the, to the folks we work with. Right. And so, yeah, I think being a, being a really, um, uh, kind of warm, uh, I don't know. I've heard the phrase warm demander before, maybe that's it. Right. Um, but, but a warm, a warm and caring uh, person who's also going to hold folks accountable, right? Um, mm -hmm. And 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 so uh, I I think we can do both of those things. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, right? I think the ability to have a really organized practice plan and really be focused and detailed on a, on the closeout or or right how we're going to set this screen or whatever we're going to do and demand some detail on that helps make our team better. I think it helps make individuals better. But I'd say also being comfortable with the fact that if 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 player X is is really struggling in that right, and they're not where they typically are on a day, I'm I'm privileged enough to be able to say, you know, Coach M is going to take over this drill, and I might go over and whisper in that person's ear for two or three minutes, right, and check in and see how they're doing that day. Um, so I think having the flexibility to 
to allow the relationship and the humanity part of it to to take a moment out of the practice that's really fast paced, right? And you're trying to get a lot of things done. Um, I, I think cutting ourselves a little bit more slack as teachers and coaches to be able to allow ourselves to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it can go a long way, right? And I, and I think, I don't know, at least I have struggled with this, that, right, that kind of like, we've got to be really demanding and rah, rah, and, 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 and right, if we don't get everything done on the practice plan, it's a, it's a crap practice. <laughs> and, right we, yep, we got yeah. right and like um that's really been instilled in us right and I, and i think that being able to um to be a little bit less myopic and a little bit more coming from a place of kind of abundance that we're gonna we have enough time and we have enough strength in our group to be able to get done what we need to get done and be really human while we're doing that um but still be demanding right still yep. hold people accountable and and i I think that's always the fear sometimes um, from a coach and teacher standpoint is we're going to lose one if we make space for the other. And it's definitely, I've, I've had some interactions with parents, especially coming out of the quarantine where parental anxiety, right? Um, mm. if my child stops and isn't getting, is getting five minutes of talking in instead of five minutes of ball handling, they're not going to reach X college placement they want. Right. And, and that, um, I think that's, again, there, there's a myopia there that, um, that, that is, um, I think we got to combat, right? I think we've got to fight against that to think about health of our, of a whole child, right? And, and, and to, to kind of like bring that back, like full circle to talk about the relationship aspect, I feel like if you know your players and you have that relationship with them, you'll be able to pick up right away, like in a practice, if they're off that day or they're not like completely like with it. And then you may be able to pull them aside, have a conversation about them, about what's going on, or just have like a quick little check-in and that conversation might be enough to kind of get them going or at least kind of get them on track for that practice. And then just by having had that relationship and taking the time to really establish and nurture that relationship, you may have been able to, in a basketball sense, get more out of that player because you recognized when something wasn't quite right, were able to have that conversation, kind of get them at least, you know, maybe focused more or, or in a position to do well that practice. And then, you know, they're, they're, they're more productive in that sense and then you can kind of follow up the conversation later just kind of yep. connecting those dots there that's exactly been my experience and and i would say again mike right like i'm sure most of the coaches listening they've had that experience right it's, yeah. it's things that we do but i think it's if we can be more conscious and cognizant and mindful of it in the moment we're going to be a little bit better in that quick check-in right we're going to be yep. a little bit more open in that quick check-in we're going to be able to show we care in that check-in just 1% more, right? And, and that might be the difference in that kid's day because if that kid's having a tough day, that probably means, right, that they got into it with a teacher or they got in with it mm -hmm. with a, a peer or they got in with it with a boyfriend or a friend or a girlfriend, right? Like, um, and so like there, there's this idea, right, of kind of good enough parenting early on in, in, in childhood education and childhood development and like I think, I think they're also, we need to be kind of comfortable with the idea of like, right, in that moment, there has to be a little bit of good enough coaching, right? Like we have to just, that 1% more might be the thing that moves the needle for that kid that day. Yeah, absolutely. Before we hit our uh, concluding segment, I did want to make sure I gave you the opportunity to talk about um, ways that as coaches, we can get further educated or, or kind of build on our proficiency in just our understanding of social emotional wellness. I know that Again, a lot of us as coaches probably have more uh, awareness and more knowledge of this topic than we give ourselves credit for, but 
how can we sort of improve our own efficiency and you know work to be the best teachers and role models uh, that we can on this topic? Yep. Um, I threw a couple of resources here who I think are really fantastic folks. Um, uh, uh, so um, was just on a call, as I said, with the American Social Workers and Sports Group, um, uh, a, a coach and, and professor, uh, Liz Winter, who just retired from UPIT. I think Liz is, um, I've been on a couple calls with Liz and um, Liz is just awesome. Uh, teaches a lot about resiliency and resiliency development in, in, in through sport and through coaching. Um, uh, I, I've been reading lately uh, a couple of Trevor Moad books. Um, it takes what it takes. Getting to neutral, um, I think, helping us be more introspective and neutral thinkers as coaches, right? And and not being mm -hmm. as high and low can help us um, can help us then approach our coaching right in a really kind of intentional and direct way. Um, I love Adam Grant. Uh, he's an organ organizational uh, psychologist. Um, he's got a great Twitter handle. You can. You can follow a ton of stuff he posts every day. I think there's awesome little nuggets there. Um, Mizzou, U University of Missouri's positive coaching uh, and leading uh, uh, program has, a, has an awesome Twitter as well. Um, I'll go with the Davidson route a little bit here. Brian Sullivan um, was an assistant at Davidson. He played at Davidson. He played overseas for a lot of years. Um, he's now getting a, getting a, a sports psychology um, master's at Denver UD. Um, he, he's got a, a sub stack called three points, um, and, and it's kind of three points on exactly what we're talking about. Um, and he does that, I don't know if it's daily or weekly, but he does it quite a bit and there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I don't tweet a ton as far as kind of content. Um, I'm trying to get a little bit better at that, Mike. That's <laughs> one of my, my short-term goals. Um, there you go. I, I retweet a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, my, my dad and I are actually, um, and this is the shame, the only shameless plug I'll make. My dad and I are, uh, are actually, um, he, he's getting into more of kind of the coaching, consulting, running, running leagues and camps. He, he's down in Alabama now on the Gulf shore of Alabama. Um, but he's starting this BT development group, um, to help kind of with player workouts practices. And we're hoping that we'll be able to build kind of a mindfulness and performance component in the next couple of years, um, that I'll, I'll take a little bit more leadership over, um, uh, but uh, you have, you know, my, I'm on Twitter coaches. If, if something, you know, revs your engines here, reach out. Um, and, and I, I obviously love talking about this stuff. Um, and, and then, uh, and then I'd say, you know, go watch, go watch, uh, you know, go watch your, your football team practice, go watch your, your, your girls or women's lax team practice, right? Like I think the best PD is often on your campus or on your, in your high school, right. In your middle school. Yeah. Um, they're the ones working with, with your players and your population. Yeah. Right. Go, go ask the, you know, if, if you've got four, four of your players in an English class, go ask the English teacher, if you can sit in the back for 10, 15 minutes of a class. Right. Um, I, I think those are invaluable opportunities. Um, and then, right. We said it like the introspective part, you led with it, Mike, the, I think asking a couple of questions every day, kind of continuously when you're practice planning, when you're, when you're meeting planning, when you're program planning, right? How can I model health, right? How can mm -hmm. I model wellness in this um, and whatever we're doing today? And then, right, what in the plan, right? What part of the plan for today um, is going to encourage, you know, that emotional regulation, that mindfulness, that interpersonal effectiveness, right? And in the moment, how can I name that? Right. I think those three questions, how can I explicitly tell our players that that's part of what we're working on in this drill? Um, 
so those are just some thoughts. There's a ton more, but but some folks just off the top of the head and, and kind of prepped on the list here. And, that, that jumped and, out I, and I really, really just want to reemphasize the idea of just, you know, talking with those who work with your players the most, whether it's like teachers or coaches. And, yep. you know, I, I know that there are players who I have had like really good relationships with and, and, and talk about a lot of things. And I also know there are other players who I get along with pretty well, but they have other adults or other teachers who like, or even other coaches in some cases who they really, really connect with. And it's been super insightful for me, not just to kind of learn more about them for them, but also learn more about how to maybe even broach a conversation with them or just strengthen my relationship with those players because of the strong ones they have with other adults. There's just so much good stuff there. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. To wrap up, Coach, I give every guest what I call, um, well, a couple questions. I jumped, I jumped the gun there. Whoa, I haven't done that in a while. Uh, there's a couple questions I ask every guest as to wrap up. So let me go ahead and get this first one going for you. What is a coaching or a professional moment, uh, either one, what is a coaching or professional moment of yours that you think others can learn from? Yeah, uh, this was hard, Mike, when you gave me this. People struggle right? sometimes with this one. A lot of ideas come to mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I um. I'm going to go with one. Uh, I was a second year head coach here at Millbrook. We weren't very good. Uh, we were, we were not good at all my first year, but kids worked their tails off and, and really kind of jump started. I think some, some cultural things that we, we got going a couple of years later. Um, and then the next year we had, uh, we had the player, uh, player of the year in the NEPSAC, uh, Will Raymond, he ended up going to Colgate. Uh, broke all kinds of kind of freshman scoring records there, had a great career there. He's making a bunch of money overseas now. Um, and so we had a really talented uh, individual player and then um, like some good high school basketball players around him, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we were losing games early. Uh, we were at a place kind of in our program's uh, history where um, we, uh, we, we, we just didn't think we could really win. We didn't think we could beat other schools, right? Oh, we're playing that school today, um, right? And uh, yeah. I was really kind of banging my head against the wall. I, I couldn't get our guys to understand, um, to do some of the things that felt so simple to me as like winning plays, right? Winning things to do. And so I, um, I went into our, uh, our, our uh, AD's office, Ed Allen, um, and, and Ed un unfortunately kind of tragically passed away a few years ago in a car crash. Um, so, so we honor Ed a lot on campus. We, we love Ed. Um, and, and I sat down with Ed and, and uh, I was telling him this and now I'm like 20, whatever, four, so pretty young and pretty kind of spitfirey. And Ed, uh, Ed kind of listens to me for a little while, doesn't really say anything. And then I kind of run out of steam and, um, and, he, and he, he looks at me and he goes, have you ever told them why you want them to do the things you want them to do? And I, uh, I kind of thought, and I was like, well, not, not explicitly. Um, you know, I, I might say why we're guarding a ball screen this way or something like this. He was like, yeah, but that's not really what you're talking about. You're talking about like why it's important to dive on a loose ball, why it's important to pick a teammate up, why, right? Like those sorts of things. Um, and that was like just a real aha moment. Um, just the importance especially I think for kids nowadays who have access to so much information to explain why you're valuing the things you're valuing. Um, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll, I picked that one. And that was a hard question, Mike. It, it, it is. There's just so, there's so much. And, and, and it's, I, I, I appreciate the, the sharing that though, because I think some of those things are, 
things we can almost get a little frustrated or a little stressed out about because we we feel like almost in some cases right that it's kind of like silly or like why do we have to explain this but you know i feel as if as, as coaches like anything that matters to you or as a coach should be explicitly taught and explained you shouldn't you know leave that up to any interpretation if it matters to you as a coach and it's something that you value your for your program or you just value personally there's no harm in, in explaining the why and explaining the, the purpose behind it making sure that you're players understand it and they buy into it too right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it's um it's vital mm -hmm. all right to wrap up i give every guest what i call a 60 second soapbox but i'll never time you so if you go longer it's perfectly okay it's your platform to get out a final message a closing thought a final idea something that you kind of want to leave the listeners with and don't worry if you struggle with this too because sometimes some guests do so no worries <laughs> if, if you're like oh this is hard too but uh i'm gonna go ahead and just give you the floor and i'm gonna let you take it from here thanks mike i i am um, uh i i have two thoughts i guess and they're not they're related in some ways but not really one's right. um something we didn't get to talk about and then okay. one is kind of a, a recap yep. um or, or a thesis um i think the thing that we didn't get to talk a lot about is um is youth sports right mm -hmm. and 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 i i get to i'm lucky enough to you know uh, get to see some youth sports and uh, my brother's was a was a an official for a while. He's now a GA at Vandy with their hoops program. Um, so we talk about it a lot. Um, I I would just gosh, if if any parents are listening to this, right? Um, your your son or daughter, your child is not going to be recruited in third through through ninth grade, right? And so uh, let let your kid play, and when they get off the court or the ice or the field, ask them if they had fun um and 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 stop there right shut your mouth from there for a little bit um and let them kind of just have that experience and, and then maybe talk after but let let emotions cool down ask if they had fun um and and i think that's a you know i i don't mean to villainize parents there i think we we um we're all a little bit complicit kind of in 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 the shift of youth sports here in america um but but i think that idea of youth sports being such uh, a space where all of the things we talked about today, Mike, can be modeled to and taught to, right? And I think that's that's actually even more the point of that space, right? Of, of youth mm -hmm. sports kind of organized or more just intramural or whatever it is. Um, so that's number one. And I'd say number two is just um, uh, last couple of years have been challenging for educators. Uh, give yourself some slack give yourself some love and realize that you're doing so many, you're changing so many lives and you're doing so many of the things that are vital, even if you don't have the names or the, or the vocab for it all the time. It's, it's, it's always nice to, you know, give give yourself a little bit more, 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 more credit there. There's nothing wrong with uh, being proud of like the things that you do too. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Coach, I want to thank you uh, for, for spending some time talking about, about your program, your school, uh, the work you do, the, the vitally important work that you do. And, and uh, you know, not, not just sharing all, all of the, uh, the ideas and the thoughts and, and, and the resources that you had, but also, in a sense, uh, affirming for, for a lot of listeners that, that, that many of them, if not all of them, are, you know, on the right track and, and are meaning well and are integrating a lot of these concepts, whether they realize it or not. And I think that that, that in and of itself is uh, reassuring and, and perhaps even reinvigorating for coaches to know that, you know, they're, they're 
can hear the things that we're talking about and realize like, oh, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing that already. And, and I, I want my players to be better as people and I want to develop those great relationships with them. So uh, thank you so much for spending some time and, and good luck, not only uh, basketball wise in the future, but, but also with all the, the work and all the other uh, initiatives and responsibilities you're, you're taking. I know you're not at a uh, shortage of things to do. So best of luck with everything, coach. I really appreciate it. Coach, appreciate it. Thanks for running the podcast. Um, you, you, you've got a new uh, listener for every episode here. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for all those who have been listening to all the episodes. And thank you for those who listened to this episode. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.